Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for listening to The Business Sphere. Joining me today is time management and productivity coach, Alexis Hasselberger. She helps people do more and stress less through coaching, workshops, and online courses. She has taught thousands of individuals, including working with Google, Lyft, Upwork, and more. Thanks for being on the show today, Alexis. Thanks, John, for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So you do have such a great roster of different types of profiles and clients, but for all the listeners that don't know who you are, if you don't mind sharing with them, what's your expertise and how you became who you are today? Yeah, of course. So I, um, as you said, I'm a time management and productivity coach, and I take that to mean that I help people be a lot more intentional with their time so that they can do more of the stuff that they want and less of the stuff that they don't want to do. And so that can mean a variety of things to to a lot of different people. But in terms of how I I got to where I'm doing this today, I spent the first maybe 15 years of my career in early stage startups, uh, where there was always way way more to do than people to do it. Um, People were burning out left and right, working crazy hours, like trying to, you know, turn dreams into a reality, right? Um, And I, I was part of that, but I also knew that I didn't want to work like that. Like I wanted to work in a way where I could produce excellent work, but during work hours, right? Like I wanted to have a life outside of that. And so I just started putting practices and things into place um, to let me do that. And I had a couple kids along the way and, you know, people started coming to me saying, oh, could you help me? You know, how can you help me be more productive? Um, Can you help me set up this task system? And I remember I had a CEO of a company I worked for said, hey, do you think you could just make a productivity workshop for our team? Just like, just base it on everything you do already. (laughs) And I think that just sparked in my head, oh, this is a skill set that like I have and a lot of people struggle with. And so this is something that I could bring into the world to help other people have more ease in their lives so that they feel better about the time that they have. Amazing. Um, Just for context, uh, for all the listeners, I know you're joining me from the West Coast. So is it Silicon Valley that you're nearby? Yeah, it is. So I am in San Francisco. I'm in the land of Silicon Valley and startups. I have worked my almost my entire adult career here. Um, and so, so yeah, I am surrounded by tech startups, people starting companies, business owners. Many of my clients um, fall into those buckets as well. And when you're in this um, entire ecosystem of people that want things done faster than ever, they don't mind throwing money at it, wanting faster results and quicker, um, you know, speed. Um, People are always rushing to get things done faster and they forget what's important. Right. And I, I realize that, you know, as I become more wise in my business and my life, I'm slowing down more than ever. Mm -hmm. And I'm really reflecting on what's important for me at this stage of my life. But when you're exposed and everyone around you is at this such a fast paced speed, and maybe they are younger, they have no obligations, they have, you know, and, and time management for them is work 80 hour weeks, because that's all 
I, you know, I have been with four and there's no room for anything else. How do they find balance? Like, I, I'm just curious because I've not, I worked for one startup in Toronto yeah. as my first kind of job. Yeah. Um, and I stayed there for a year and a half. It was fun. I, I got to learn a lot, but I, I realized it wasn't for me at an early stage. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? I think that the people that I work with tend to be um, perhaps a little more seasoned. So I always say I work with people who have big jobs, big lives, or both. <laughs> and often those are people who have become successful. Maybe they've got a few startups under their belt or, you know, so I work with doctors and lawyers and things like that, um, but they have become successful through brute force. So they're not, you know, it's such a cliche to say that, you know, work smarter, not harder, but it's true, right? There is a certain point where like you can kind of just plow through and you can rely on your energy and your momentum. And, and then you wake up one day and you realize, well, yep, I, I guess I'm successful, but I, you know, I'm not spending a ton of time with my family and I would like to, or I am not um, taking care of my health or exercising in the way that I want to. And people kind of get stuck in this trap. And so I think that, you know, it takes someone who has gotten to some level of success and realized like, oh, everything's not perfect <laughs> once I'm here uh, to realize that they want to do things in a different way and that there is a way to maintain their success, to continue to grow um, without sacrificing all of the other stuff that's important to them. And it does take a big mindset shift because I know what, you know, exactly what you said, like working all the time, working all the time. What I always tell people is, there will always be more work, right? You, me, everyone else, we could work 18 hours a day until we die, right? Every single day, there will be more work to do. And so it's up to us to decide what, uh, what we want to do with the time we have, because I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend all of it working. <laughs> and this is a great topic, um, because for me, I realize that by really under defining success, because each individual will have different definitions of success is it mm -hmm. monetary is it status is it time away from or vacations it could be anything related with family or relationships yeah. or whatnot um and then what are every what is going on in your life that acknowledging that you're not present or you're not giving a lot of energy and time and resources or or doing the best you can be as a parent or father figure or a spouse or a community leader or whatever it is acknowledging where the gaps are and i think when you become more wise more than successful because success is determined based on individuals and yeah what they define it right yeah it's it's hard for people to acknowledge what they do not even know right. and and therefore like goal setting really sitting down slow down and put everything in writing or somehow vision board or something <laughs> so that it gives them more clarity on what what they ultimately need to achieve to have more freedom or more choice or whatever it is um and I, I kind of been reading and doing everything on my own, but I yeah. know this is your expertise. So if you don't mind sharing with the listeners, like you deal with so many people, mm -hmm. like tens of thousands of people from individuals to uh, corporations and companies, work, workplaces, right? Yep. Where do you find like, you know, how do people acknowledge that there's a disconnect currently and why do they seek people like you out? Yeah. So I think, you know, there, there are different reasons why different groups seek me out. Right. So I think that oftentimes you're right. It's like 
people have had to, it's like learn the hard way that, that what they're doing didn't, isn't exactly quite working. And I think exactly like you mentioned, a lot of people have tried a lot of things, right? They've read a lot of the books that are behind you right now, right? They have, um, they have like taken a few online courses. They have taken tips that they hear from like famous productive people and they, they try to integrate these things. And then they feel like, oh, it just didn't, you know, it didn't work for me. I've tried all these things and I'm still not feeling like I, like, that I'm able to kind of step off this wheel or, or figure it out in a way that, um, that really works for them. And so I think that oftentimes for somebody to reach out to someone like me as an individual, they, they have to be in a place where they re- they've tried a lot of things and it just hasn't worked for them, right? With companies, I think it's a whole different story. They're trying to up-level, you know, they're, they're putting me in front of people who like, there might be really productive people already. There might be people who feel very balanced, but we're coming in and we're saying like for everybody together, like what are the best practices that you could be doing? So people are learning very different things. So I think from a corporate perspective, it's more about (laughs) up-leveling and from an individual perspective, it's kind of solving a problem. And people have to acknowledge um, where there's, a gap, right? Where, where there's challenges, um, where their focus is not there. Um, you know, and, and that's the biggest challenge. Like a lot of people are not even clear on what they don't know. Right, right. And they would never reach out to me. That's, you know, I, I always talk about, there's this, um, this model called the hierarchy of competence. And it's kind of a, you know, it's like, I hate the words that they use, but I really like the model. And at the bottom of this model, it says unconscious incompetence, right? And it's like, you don't even know there's a problem. And I always share this, this model with people. It's a pyramid. So one step above unconscious incompetence is, you know, and basically that there it's conscious incompetence, right? <laughs> and I hate these words again, but it's like, oh, that's the stage where people would reach out to me because now there's a w- they're aware that there's a problem right? But at that level below, yeah, people might be struggling with things, but they might just be thinking, oh, this, everybody has to go through this, or this is just the way it is for everybody. There's no, you know, this is it. And so I never meet people until they get to that level of awareness where they say, oh, this is something, there is a problem. I want to do something about it. And there's a way for me to do something about it if I get some help. Oh, that's great. Because I know as professionals, Um, either business owners or professional um, people that reach out to you. They're so um, focused on career path, maybe going after higher destinations or, you know, achieving, you know, their own practice and earning more income. And that's what their goals are. And once they achieve that plateau, they they start plateauing afterwards, right? And then they kind of realize like, is this it? Like what happens afterwards? Like what more is there? And, um, you know, and, and they're surrounded by all the similar type of people in their profession, right? Doing the exact same thing. And, you know, as you become more wise, there's, there's gaps in, in there, right? Like there's going to be a lot of uh, family situations that might be cracks opening up or relationships or whatever it may be. There's, it's it's hard right like people don't know until they realize or get to a certain stage so how do you prevent that from happening like because they come to you when there's a problem mm-hmm. and they acknowledge yeah. it is there ways that people can actually um you know prevent like i always look at health right yeah. where yeah. you know people go to weight loss clinics when it's already too late right yep. Yep. why not do all the 
the things that everyone says you should be doing, eating right, exercising, you know, meditate, stretch and all that other stuff. Like, is there things that you would recommend for people? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think that, you know, whenever I give a workshop, one of the things that people always say is, why don't they teach this stuff in college? Right. And so I think that there is a really like there is this set of skills that you're just expected to learn in the work world. And it's kind of sink or swim, right? And some people, they do it naturally, and then they don't ever develop these kind of, you know, issues. And, but that's a very tiny percentage of people, right? And then I think that um, for others, it becomes something where it is more intentional. So again, it's like, if, if they don't know, they don't know, <laughs> then it might be hard to like put practices into place. But I think that one thing we could do as a society is start talking about this stuff at earlier stages, like in high school, in, you know, in college, be thinking about how do you maintain boundaries around your time? Like, how do you say no without feeling like a jerk? Because I think a lot of times um, people that I work with have become overcommitted because they say yes immediately. To, to things, right? They, they, they feel bad about, I mean, we've been socialized as a culture to feel bad about saying no, right? Like we want to be nice. We want to be helpful. Um, we think we have to, we think it's the expectation. And so I think that I, you know, I don't know what the answer is to like, how do we prevent this? But I think that it, it probably is more like cultural and institutional <laughs> than we would want it to be. I think it's a lot harder to say, how do we, build, you know, how do, how do you make parents like build, instill this in their kids, right? It's, it's a big problem. It's a hard problem, I think. Yeah, oh, I, I totally agree. Um, so let's get into like time management um, and productivity, right? Mm -hmm. So I know um, in businesses, um, there's a lot of people that spend too much time doing things that are probably not valuable in, in the way that they think and perceive. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, how do you help solve some of these problems? Like what are some of the major issues in businesses that mm -hmm. you find like time, time management not being as productive? Yeah. So I think that one of the biggest things is that people just are stuck in kind of reactive mode all the time and they're not planning or thinking about what they actually need to be doing. And because, um, and not, it's not their fault, right? It's just like, there's a lot of things that happen. I call it letting the day happen to you, right? Where it's like, you sit down with your computer, you open up email and like the next thing you know, it's 5, 5 p.m. And you haven't crossed anything off your to-do list. You've just been kind of like doing things as Slack messages came to you and as emails came to you. And I think that, um, so that is a big, that's a big issue. Most people I work with say like, I don't have any time for strategic things. I only just like react to fires as they come. I think that um, just messaging and emails in general is a pretty, like it sounds so simple, but it is a huge problem for people because we need more structure around how we handle this stuff. If you kind of have notifications on for your emails and every single time you get a ping, you go check your email. Well, that just destroys your entire day, right? There's, um, you know, if you take that study, it was done out of UC Irvine that says that every time we get distracted or interrupted, it takes us on average 23 minutes to return to what we were doing. And you imagine that people are getting hundreds of pings a day, right? It's very Sisyphusian. And so I think that that's a huge issue. And then another huge, huge issue in most companies is meetings, just too many meetings, meetings for everything, meetings that where people are, you know, 
they invite 40 people to the meeting and most of them are just like sitting there listening, like half multitasking, meaning they're not giving their attention to anything. Um, so yes, I could go on and on, but I think those are the big, those are the big things that I see happening across the board. It's great that you're uh, mentioning this because in today's tech savvy world with Slack, social media, instant messaging, faster, real time uh, information gathering communication, um, I, I look at like 10 or 20 years ago when the internet was not, not as prevalent, right? There was no high speed internet. No one had a smartphone. Social media didn't exist. Email was in its infancy. People used to pick up the phone. People used to go into the office and talk amongst right. each other. Right. And everyone was huddling and there was no distractions. Everyone communicating like... They mm-hmm. were present. Yeah. And now with the world that we're living in, there's so much noise. Yeah. Kings, news feeds, Twitter feeds, social mm-hmm. media, Slack messaging, uh, yes. emails coming left, right, and center. Um, and it could be, you know, urgent or not. And you don't know, right? right. There, yeah, the signal to noise ratio is crazy, right? <laughs> And you, don't, you can't even acknowledge which ones are urgent or just a social message or mm-hmm. a friend pinging you or yeah. going for coffee or whatever. Yeah. And that's where, you know, for myself, I look back because I've been with my agency for nine years now. Yeah. And prior to that, I used to work in corporate mm-hmm. and technology wasn't as prevalent, right? Where yeah. I still loved meeting people in person. I know it's kind of old school, but... Mm-hmm. I actually didn't have a phone. I was listening intently. I jotted notes down on a notepad. Yep. And, and people actually wanted to share and embrace that experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Versus today, and I know you're in the startup community where everything is smartphone, real time, immediate, right? It's, it's because it's... I, I think it's like in the mind, right? It's like psychologically, everyone wants things done immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's wired, I think, because of with the society, it's expected. I So that's where I'm going to push back a little bit is I think that we all assume it's expected because all, I mean, technology is amazing, right? It's how you and I are connected right now. But we need to be using technology intentionally for our purposes instead of letting it use us. And so I think that, you know, the default settings on everything is notifications on, you know, like uh, just all of that stuff. And so a lot of work that I do with people is just actually setting boundaries around these things and making it so that like I always say, it's so much easier to remove temptation than to resist it, right? If you're getting pings, your brain is, you're right, your brain is wired. You're not going to be able to like resist not looking at that phone, right? Um, but if you turn off the notifications, <laughs> then you don't have that temptation anymore. And so many people, when I say this, people are like, how can I turn off the notifications? Like, how will I know? Like, what if it's an important message? And here's the thing. Nobody uses written communication in an emergency. No one, like nobody uses email in an emergency. Nobody uses Slack in an emergency. Like if there's a true emergency and somebody actually does need you right now, they will hunt you down and call you. (laughs) They will use those old school methods. Um, And so I think it's often about just us 
like reasserting some control over these things because we can train people how to treat us. And so you don't want to like go rogue. Right. But I often tell people, you know, just baby steps, like with Slack, put your away message on and just say, I'm heads down on a project. If you need me urgently, call me on the phone. Right. That is going to, because people are so reluctant to pick up a phone, they're going to think twice (laughs) before they do that. Right. And they probably don't actually need you at that minute. I think that because technology can be immediate, we have this false assumption that it does have to be. And I just don't think that that's true. Like most of my, you know, I would say I've never had a client who turns off their notifications and then turns them back on. (laughs) No, this is great because I would say five years ago, I, um, I removed a lot of my social media mm-hmm. personally because mm-hmm. I wanted to be in control with my time. Yeah. I wanted to be present with the people that meant the most to me. The to-do list was yeah. really focused on my activities. And throughout the day, I would allot time to check email, a lot yeah. time to communicate with certain people and yeah. have check-ins with projects. Mm-hmm. And I would be in control. Versus anyone dictating how I should be living and communicating with them. So understanding and acknowledging what's important in your life. But Mm -hmm. it's easier said than done because it's it's the mindset, right? Of where do you want to be and who do you want to dictate your life, right? And, And once you realize that, you know, it's okay because if someone's emailing you or messaging you, it's just a question or it's not the end of the world, right? It's, you know, if, if they do need you, like you mentioned, they're going to knock on my door or they're going to call me or something that just like my mom, she's old school. She's going to pick up the phone and call me, right? Because that's my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. And I do the same thing. I, I don't check my email constantly. I probably process, I process email twice a day. I'm at inbox zero hundred percent of the time. I never miss emails. Like, but I, it's because I don't check constantly, right? Because you, you have to have kind of a process for these things and to be in control. Just like you said, I think the one thing that I always think that I try to give people this little mindset shift of email, Slack messages, all of that, it's other people's priorities, right? It's not, and sometimes they align, sometimes they align with your priorities, right? But not always. And then the other thing that I often just try to remind people is like when you send an email to someone, right? Are you expecting that they drop everything that they're doing, read your email right away the second that you sent it? Real question, right? Are you expecting that? No, no one is actually expecting that from other people, right? It's that we, um, we said, like, I send you an email and I'm sending it at a convenient time for me because this is in my head and I'm sending it out. I'm not expecting you to like drop everything and answer it right away. I send a Slack message. I'm not expecting you to drop everything and answer it right away. And so I think it's like these double standards that we've set for ourselves. Like no one is expecting that of other people, yet we're all expecting it of ourselves. And, and over the course of, I would say, last couple of years, every time I'm out I, I don't even bring my phone anymore. Oh, wow. I go yeah. for walks. Yeah. I don't bring my phone. I go to the gym, no phone. I, uh, before I go to bed, I turn off my phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't distract yeah. me, right? Everything is really like, I don't want other people to distract yep. and intrude in yeah. my life, in my time, in my family time. So it's yeah. like understanding how technology could play 
for your benefit versus allowing it to be intrusive in your life. And a right. lot of people just don't realize that. And I, you know, again, I think reading and just trying what works for you. Each individual mm -hmm. is different. Um, and it, it's hard, right? Because people are wired. And if you've been living on your phone for the last 10 years, mm -hmm. to make that change, you have mm -hmm. to slowly progress. It's like someone that hasn't been going to the gym for the last 10 years. You right. need to slowly change your life and slowly make some adaptions and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And experiment, because I think that that's the thing too, is, you know, if I say, hey, you're going to turn off your notifications and you're not going to be able to turn them on. Like you just, you just have to leave it like that. That's scary, right? But if we say like, I'm going to experiment with this for two days, just going to turn them off for two days and I'm going to give myself permission to turn it back on two days later. Well, that's a different story that makes it a lot less, um, just a lot less scary in general. And I think you're totally right that we all have to look at what's right for our lives and our specific families. Like I do bring my phone when I go out, but it's because I have um, tween and teenage kids. And so they might actually need me for something if they're home alone, et cetera. And so I don't, my phone's on silent hundred percent of the time, right? It's, there's never any sound that comes out of it, but I do, you know, if I'm out and my kids are at home, I will, you know, glance at my phone every half an hour or so just to see if they've sent me anything, right? That's, a, that might be important. Exactly. And it's when you have time to check right. it. Yeah. Because when they notify you, right. like with all these notifications, with social, email, and all these platforms, um, they just want your attention. So <laughs> you need to be in control of it all. So that's great. Um, what I was going to ask you is, what are some of the biggest business time-wasting activities that you've kind of found throughout your many years of experience? I mean, 100% meetings, like meetings to me are the largest time waster in any company. And it's only gotten worse um, over COVID. You know, there was that Atlantic article a few weeks ago that said that meetings are up 250% since before the pandemic. Um, and I, I've seen this in my work with people too. And, and I think that it's exactly something that you alluded to before. We used to, you know, we used to just tap somebody on the, the shoulder or, you know, if we weren't in the same city as them or location, we would pick up the phone and we would call them really quickly. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've noticed, but the younger generation doesn't really use phones for phone calls anymore, right? <laughs> like my, like my kids did not actually understand how to use a phone to make a phone call. Like they were holding it in the wrong places, you know, like they didn't know where the, like they just don't use it that way. And so I think part of it is kind of like retraining people that like, it's okay to pick up the phone. Um, you don't need to schedule a half an hour if you really just need to talk to this person for two minutes. And so I think that that, that kind of mindset of, oh, if we need to meet, then we schedule it, right? Like I think that's a problem. And then I also think there's just so many recurring meetings that are happening in companies that are like information dissemination meetings. So it's like an update meeting or, you know, an all hands meeting where just one person is speaking and nobody's asking any questions. And that kind of thing just doesn't need to be synchronous, right? If you have a meeting that is a status update meeting, that can be an email. <laughs> that doesn't have to be a meeting. And so I think that if, if I had to choose one thing, that is where most time is being wasted. I can't even count the number of people who say to me like, well, you know, there are a hundred people on this meeting, but I have to show my face. My boss expects me to be there. What do you do during that meeting? I just tune out and do something else. Right? 
And, and that is so bang on in corporations, organizations that you're a part of. And I, I want to go back to the point where you mentioned about, um, you know, that, that phone call. Yeah. Where everyone's so used to text messaging or instant messaging or whatever it's like always on the device making emojis and all that stuff. Yeah. Is it a generational shift? Because when you're say 10 years ago, they started with smartphones and now everyone's kind of grown up with iPads and you know apps and all that. Yeah. And maybe they were in their teenage years and now it's their first gig or you know in their early 20s, and that's how they were kind of raised right yeah. like they don't know what we know because back right. in our day we didn't have smartphones they right. they didn't even have you know mp3s or discman you right. know cassette tapes right everything yeah. is now on youtube and everything's like yeah. real-time streaming on a netflix device or amazon product yeah. it's just it's hard for people right it because yeah. they don't understand what we're talking about. So do we need to train them on what a phone is, what a real meeting is, how to socially interact with people in real life versus this digital Slack group communities online and email teams, Google teams. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, right? Because I'm always torn between, is it, you know, me that needs to get on board <laughs> or is it like that there is some, some kind of training that needs to happen. And I think that while we have multi-generational, you know, we, we do have these different generations in the workforce that have different um, uh, kind of understanding of experience with um, cultures of technology, right? Um, so, you know, we've still got boomers in the workforce. We've got Gen X, we've got millennials, we've got Zoomers. Now we've got like four generations in the workforce with varying degrees of that. And I think it's that we we both need to learn from each other in some ways, because I think that, you know, I'll give you a good example of this. I, um, I used to work at a company that we did uh, HR outsourcing. So we did like payroll benefits and HR for startups, essentially. And I, um, I managed a group of the customer or like the relationship managers, essentially. And they would, they would receive, the phone would ring, <laughs> they would let it ring to voicemail, and then they would email the person back, right? And I had to, you know, I really had to work with people to be like, you know, if they called you, that's the, if the client was calling you, that's the method of communication they're looking for, right? They want you to call them back, right? You can't just reply with an email every time. And so I think there's some, uh, and, I, and I actually then had to do, I had to try to get to the bottom and say like, why aren't you calling back? Why are you letting it ring to voicemail and just emailing? And they, you know, it was ultimately because they weren't comfortable talking on the phone, right? When you text, um, when you use written forms of communication, you can self-edit, right? You can make sure that your words are right. When you're using a phone, when you're talking to somebody live, it, it's more vulnerable, right? Because what if you say the wrong thing? And so I uh, ended up having to do a bunch of role plays with people about how to have a phone call, <laughs> right? How to have a phone call with a client. On the other side of things, like, you know, there are, there are definitely people in this world who are not quite on board with like, messaging and instant messaging and things like that. They need some training in that too, because they're going to need to communicate with other people in the workforce. Oh, that makes so much sense. And this is uh, marketing for us. Like I own a digital marketing company yeah. and it's all about um, hitting people at the right time with the right medium that mm -hmm. they utilize with the right messaging. Um, and hopefully they will communicate back with you because like you mentioned, people may like 
talking on the phone. They may like email. They may mm-hmm. like fax messages. Right. They may, may like, you know, social media posts, DMs. They might Slack groups, like video calls. I, there's so many different choices today. Right. But you got to hit them with their preference. And everything else is maybe people are introverts and not socially inclined. And they, mm-hmm. you know, don't like uh, meeting people in person because they're afraid of what pe- other people are going to say. So it's it's hard for everyone to really understand what is the right medium they should utilize for communicating mm-hmm. to be productive. Mm-hmm. And one way is not the only way. And right. for for an organization to be productive, I, I believe is to really have a well-rounded medium of of communications, right? Where you have multi-medium sources, video, audio, written, and and so people can disseminate it through the way they they love uh, reading content, right? And absorbing that information. Um, so that's what we've actually done in my organization like three years ago. We syndicate through multiple channels so mm-hmm. that people who are comfortable will absorb it through their uh, preferred choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, exactly. Right. Like things have, it's, it's like, I think about people who try to like reach out to me with sales pitches. If you reach out to me over Facebook DM or, or you like try to connect with me on LinkedIn and then immediately try to sell me something I'm turned off, like absolutely not happening. Right. And so, but some people that, I mean, it obviously works. People are using those forms of those forms of marketing. Right. Um, but I really think that, yeah, we need to think about you know, in an organization, right? We don't also like this. This is something that definitely is true of marketing, or I, you know, I believe I believe you. You know, way more about marketing than I do. Um, but also, like in an, in an environment where you're working with other people, I think we often need to have some norms that we agree to around our communication methods. Because I think this is something I see all the time too in companies is that you know, I'll I'll do a workshop with a team and I'll go in and I'll say, okay, how quickly should an email be answered? right? I'll get 10 different answers if 10 different people are in the room. You know, how, like, what, how should you give a task to someone? I'll get all these different answers. And I think that creates a lot of churn and confusion as well, because you're never sure where the information lives. And so I, you know, I I work with clients to help them with internal norms around communications, right? So, okay, what's our emergency channel? Because we want to be able to turn notifications off so we're not constantly bombarded. What's the, you know, what do we use when we actually do have an emergency? Are we going to use the phone? Are we going to use text messaging, right? If we're giving people tasks back and forth, do we have a task management system? If so, let's use that exclusively so that we're not also sending tasks via email, et cetera. And I think that streamlining these things and having conversations about them goes a long way because if we all just come with our assumptions, then we're like, why are people doing things wrong? Right. Where nobody's wrong. It's just, we have different, different ways of doing things and having a conversation about how do we, you know, how do we use these tools together as a group really helps us to be more productive and efficient overall. Amazing. And this is great for workplaces, organizations, because, um, Having a, a SOPs, operating procedure, understanding how to communicate and which platform, like you mentioned, productivity tool, we use Asana. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, allowing us to set criteria, timelines, KPIs, um, yeah. and everyone's in, along the same page, right? Like mm-hmm. our dev team speaks to our SEO team, speaks to our content team, and we kind of have clarity on what 
the expectations, goals, and how to trigger and flag and, you know, attribute everything. But it, it took some time to train everyone to make yeah. sure everyone's on the same page. But right. once it's gelled and everyone understands, it's going to run so much smoother. And there's a, a, a little investment or time that might hold everyone back. But when you do things properly, you're going to save so much time in the future, right? Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I feel like you're speaking my language. I talk to people about this all the time. There's, I, I talk about it as short-term pain versus long-term pain, right? <laughs> do you want to like invest a little bit of time upfront right now to save yourself insurmountable amounts of time later, right? And, and I'll give you a good example of this that just came up recently with, I mean, and, and what you're talking about, like using Asana, I mean, I love it. Using Asana within your team probably means you have far fewer status update meetings. You have far fewer act, like communications or miscommunications because people all have like a single source of truth that they can go to, right? And that creates these organizational efficiencies that just like compound on each other, right? But people also just, you know, in their own world, like, right, you, you know, people might be listening and they might be thinking, well, I don't have control over that. My company does X, Y, or Z. But, you know, I, I had this client recently and he, um, we were just going through his, his task list and trying to help prioritize and things. And I asked him about this one task and he was like, oh, that, that, you know, that's just a small thing. It can be done whenever it's really not that, you know, it's not that urgent or important. And I said, okay, tell me a little bit more about it. And he was like, well, you know, it's, it's, it'll just take 15 minutes. And I was like, okay, well, what is it about? What is it, you know, what does it solve? And he was like, well, if I did this thing, then it would um, solve this other problem for me. I was like, okay, great, great. How often does that other problem happen? And he was like, well, you know, three or four times a month. And I was like, okay, how long does it take you to solve it every time it happens? And he says, oh, three hours. <laughs> and so I said, okay, so if you did this one 15 minute task now, you could save 12 hours a month. And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, I think we should prioritize that one. Right. And so, you know, it's this, this mindset we get stuck in where we feel like process and planning, it's not real work when actually it's the most important work because it makes everything else more efficient and you save so much time in the long run. But a lot of people don't have that skill set and they <laughs> not only not acknowledge it, but they get stressed over trying something new or unique and um, train other people. Um, and this is where like reading people and in, people in the right places at the right time within your organization can really help you solve yeah. a lot of your problems, right? Mm -hmm. um, so it's like, as you mature, and I know you deal with so many individuals, mm -hmm. you see a breadth of every single personality trait, I'm sure, mm -hmm. from people that think they know everything to people that don't know anything, right? <laughs> so it's, it's good to learn different perspectives, right? And try to challenge people because anytime they're able to try something new. Um, yeah. and, and like you mentioned earlier, like that little 15 minutes, a little pain for 15 minutes is gonna really gain you 15, 12 hours, right? And right people don't acknowledge that because they don't really understand and they feel very stressed even thinking right. about that 15 minutes.
Right. Because that fast, and and it comes back to that kind of fast pace, right? It's like, you know, something that I always have my clients work on and start to do is what I call end of day planning, which is just, you know, 10 minutes towards the end of your workday to make a plan for the next day so that you have a prioritized set of things that it's realistic and fits within the time available. Um, And it's really, really hard for people to justify spending that 10 minutes planning instead of answering two last emails. Right. And it's just it's because it's so it's like we, we live for immediate gratification <laughs> and these types of things are about longer term gratification and delayed gratification. And humans aren't wired that, you know, humans are wired for immediate gratification. And so it does take practice to and experimentation to be able to say, OK, I'm going to try this. And I'm going to see how it goes tomorrow, right? And most people find, oh, when I do this 10 minutes, I actually save an hour the next day or a couple of hours the next day, or my, or even if I don't save time, my day feels so much smoother, right? I feel so much more accomplished and it takes having, being willing to experiment a couple of times to, to see that, to get that good feeling, to then be willing to do it again. And I think, um, being stressed, Uh, And, you know, with this fast paced startup environment that a lot of people are now uh, perceived Mm -hmm. to have to work, Um, you know, if you are able to be more productive or save time on all your given tasks and all your roles and responsibilities, um, like you mentioned, like less meetings, but going to the meetings that actually matter. Um, going to do the things that really will move the needle. So Mm -hmm. acknowledging what are the key metrics that you're accountable for and Mm -hmm. how do you deliver on those versus everything else? Because there's always going to be other stuff people want to drag you in to help for. And who's really accountable for those projects and why are you being dragged in, especially Mm -hmm. in larger organizations where you know, you're pulled in all sorts of directions. Um, So, you know, I, I get it. But with all these people from all these different roles, it's Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when you're, you know, just starting your career, right? Like you're trying to up level and try to, you know, impress your managers or seniors to move up that ladder. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that um, you're right that there's this kind of lack of, it's like a lack of experience and knowledge that we can't fault people for, um, but that you have to be kind of willing to have some conversations about, right? Because if you're young and early in your career and you've got, you know, you're working for a boss, you can ask that person, like, what are the things that are going to help me progress to the next level? What is that next level? Like, what are the things that are important for me to do? And so many people just don't ask those questions, right? They, they kind of look around, they see, or, you know, now that we're mostly remote, they don't even have anyone to kind of look, you know, so it's harder to learn through osmosis, right? And so I think it's becoming more and more important to have these conversations, because if you then know, okay, these are my driving things, these are my KPIs, these are my goals, then it becomes a lot easier to say, no, I can't do X, Y, or Z, because that will prevent me from doing this thing that I have committed to, right? And so, I mean, you know, it's funny for me, I work for myself, right? You work for yourself. Um, it's still hard. There's so many opportunities that come up all of the time. And like, you want to say yes to them. And so what I do is I actually put my quarterly goals in a quarter long appointment in my calendar. So it's just, it appears at the bar, the top bar of my calendar. And that way, anytime something comes up, new opportunity or somebody asking me to do something, I'm kind of confronted with, 
does this support these goals that I have for this quarter? Like if I say yes to this new opportunity, am I going to be able to meet these goals? But without that kind of visual there on a regular basis, I think it would be really easy for me to kind of forget about those things, right? And, and that's great that I'm hearing this um, because we're different because we're business owners. When you're in the work environment, you need to really establish what those goals are, KPIs, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual, semi-annual. I just put together a 10-year plan, right? And then we break it down into like a five-year and go- yeah. quarterly or whatnot. Yeah. But because I, I've actually been working on this for many, many years prior, and I mm-hmm. did this in corporate, and I learned how to do things, and I was able to get support from people in different generations, different mm-hmm. walks of lives. And without that experience and knowledge and wisdom, I don't... It's hard, right? Like you're trying to discover everything yourself when you're early 20s and you're not certain on what you should be doing. So you're being pulled at all certain directions mm-hmm. and, you know, you're scrambling, you're working so hard, you're, you're stressed and, you know, mm-hmm. you're frustrated because you don't even know if you're doing things the right way or not. So yeah. just going out there and asking mm-hmm. is, you know, hard for a lot of people, but it's so important. Because at least you know that you're on the right page. Right, right. And I mean, I think there's something to acknowledge too, which is that like, I don't know about you, but I didn't know when I, I don't know how old you are. I, when I was in my 20s, I had no idea like what I wanted out of life, right? Like I just, I didn't. And I, you know, I, you're probably more organized than me. I don't have a 10 year plan. Like I, you know, I, I go, I fly like I do a lot of planning, but I don't plan like super far ahead in advance um, because I, I think one thing that I've that I've really focused on throughout my career is to really focus on the day-to-day experience of what I'm doing. And am I enjoying what I'm doing? Does it provide me with the kind of you know balance and life that I am looking for? Does it also earn me enough money that I can have the, the lifestyle that I want? Right. Um, but I think that so often people they they have this goal. Like they're going to be a lawyer, or I always use, I always use lawyers, right? You're going to be a lawyer. So you like go to law school, you join a firm, you like work towards partner, you're working a hundred hour weeks. And then like, you tell me, do you know any lawyers who would be like, yeah, you should definitely be a lawyer. Go for it. Right They're No, they're all like, no, it's a miserable gig. you know. <laughs> and so I think that, you know, there's also this value that of, well, how do we just make sure that every day, yeah, we want to be striving for things, but I think much more important for me is like, how do I feel every day? Like, do I feel at the end of the day good about what I did? Like, do I feel that I, you know, I'm enjoying my life, that I was able to contribute in a way that uses my skills and my intellect? And that to me is more important than like reaching some monetary goal or reaching some, you know, level of, you know, title or things like that. And, you know, that's what I always think about because, you know, we don't, we don't actually know how many days we're going to have on this earth, right? <laughs> and I well, want to enjoy them. <laughs> Alexis, you hit it right there, right? Like, what does success really mean? And as you mature in life, you'll realize that it's not just work. It's that balance, right? Of all the major pillars. And yep. the pillars in life could be family, it could be health, it could be travel it could be community just sharing and you know just giving right um it's that balance you need to figure that out yourself and then like you mentioned present enjoying every single moment and experience so that you can form great relationships or just have fun right like people forget 
that everything you're doing should actually be fun. Why work in a miserable work environment with miserable people with miserable values, right? Like it doesn't, it's not in alignment with your personal, you know, values yourself. So you got to figure that out, discover yourself and slow down because everyone's running not knowing clarity on why they're running or what they're running to towards really. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're totally right. And then I I also just want to acknowledge too, that, you know, this might not be the demographic of your listenership, but I think that you and I are probably speaking from a position of privilege a little bit in terms of being able to make these choices. Right. Because I think that there are a lot of people, <laughs> um, many, many people, um, you know, across the world in this country, you know, everywhere, both, you know, you're in Canada, I'm in the US, we probably have tons of people who like, they, you know, that kind of self-actualization, that's not actually possible right now, um, just due to financial situations, or, you know, historical wealth gaps, and things like that. And so I think that, like, yes, and also, I want to acknowledge that, like, to, to be able to be like, I just want to enjoy my life is also a place of privilege, right? And that totally, I, I can connect with that because we're so fortunate to be doing something that we love yeah. and we have, you know, maybe the necessities to do it all technology, mm-hmm. um, you know, the bare necessities of shelter and food covered where yeah. a lot of the people in the world are, you know, they just want water and food, right? right? right. Um, they don't have fixed shelter. They're displaced, right? And there's a lot of turmoil out there. And, you know, we're, we're fortunate to be living in North America with a lot more wealth and choice. Um, and, and even here in North America, we are still privileged, right? It's like, still, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I live in San Francisco and like, there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of wealth disparity and, and yeah. So I, anyways, we don't need to, we don't need to go down that route, but I just, just did want to acknowledge because I always feel like, I, I want to acknowledge where I, where I do have privilege and that sometimes, you know, others don't, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, this has been a great conversation, Alexis. So how can some of the listeners uh, get a hold of you, reach out to you, check you out? Uh, if you don't mind sharing some of your, um, you know, websites or social yeah. posts, etc. Yeah, great. So I am at alexishasselberger.com. Um, hopefully you'll put that in the show notes because no one can spell my name. Uh, people can, if they, they want to go there, you can download a free distraction action plan, which will help you to be able to remove some of those distractions and figure out some strategies there for your biggest distractors. Uh, you can also find me on um, YouTube. I have a channel, Do More Stress Less, on Facebook at Do More Stress Less, and on Instagram at do.more.stress.less. Amazing. We'll definitely share that on all the show notes. Um, And it was such a pleasure. I'm ultra grateful for you to be on the show today. Um, I had a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Alexis. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs. (laughs) 